It's your daily dose with Bob and Nick. Most people who know my podcast partner know that he's really into music. He knows a lot about a lot of things and a mother ton about music. And it's not just about the music. It's about the stories and the histories of his musical idols. Today, Nick's got some fascinating stories to share, and they're sure to entertain and educate. Enjoy. I was going through this recently with uh, music because uh, I've been doing... um, a retro uh, retrospective probably isn't the right word, but looking back at music from 25 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, because you're spinning the platters again. Yeah, on the radio. So t- doing a two-hour show about music from 1996, doing a two-hour show about music from 2001. Huh. And so I've called it Mixtape Mornings. I love it. The challenge is when you did a mixtape, it's permanent, right? You're done yeah. You can regret it afterwards, but it's done. It is done. what it is, right? As opposed to putting together a Spotify playlist or wherever you put your music together online for streaming purposes, and you're like, oh, I can tweak this forever. Ah. I can move these up and down. And I, I didn't even think of that because I had all these. Add something in and add something out. <laughs> so I finally just had to publish like the 1996 one. Even though I just did it on the radio on Monday, I was tweaking it until Wednesday when I published it and sent it out to people. And, and like, what uh, kind of response have people given you? I think people liked it. Yeah. Um, you know, I included some. Uh, it's really so. Here's the thing, though. Just like a lot of the content that I create, it's mainly for me. Yeah. So I love the idea that somebody else is going to listen to it and maybe hear something new or different. But it's not by any means '90s music. Right. Um, but it meant so much to me that I was playing a song. And somebody called in and asked what the song was. And I was able to tell them. They were like, oh, that's what it is. I knew that. And then they told me about the band. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. So these conversations that you have that you may not realize that you're going to have, you know, you may, it's this obscure song, Mm -hmm. this obscure band. And then all of a sudden you're sharing it with somebody. And it's actually the band that inspired me to do this. Really? Because I was looking through my music. I realized that this band uh, is called Rachel's which I learned is from Louisville, Kentucky. It was this girl named Rachel who was this classic pianist and violinist, I think. And this uh, punk rock band discovered her and they decided to do classical music. And it was really like modernized classical music, not like um, uh, Manchester, not Manchester Orchestra. Manheim, uh, Manheim, Yeah. Yeah. Um, But stuff like that. It's still very much in in the classical realm. Yeah, yeah. But it's so great. But that was it. I was like, oh my God, I was into good music in 1996. <laughs> that's amazing. And I, I never even heard of them. So that's, that's got to yeah. be one I'll look that up and check it well, out. Well, you can listen to this playlist. I'm excited. I do want to. I want to. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I, don't, I, I, don't know, I don't know how well our musical tastes intersect. Uh, I think you, you are probably a little more poppy than I am. I think I am. I think you've talked about like Matchbox 20 and a couple of other bands, which yeah. as a recovering music snob, <laughs> I have turned my nose up at many a time. Yeah. So. A lot of people do to the things that I like. And guess what? Because I like, I like some sappy stuff. Yeah. I like some old stuff. I was really into Barry Manilow when I was in high school. Guess what? Go figure. He writes the songs, even though he didn't write that song. It's not ironic. He sings a song. I write the songs, and it wasn't a song that he wrote. Although he wrote <laughs> amazing music. Uh, yeah, I don't. I have no ego about the music that that I like. Uh, I, I don't even know sometimes the music that I like. I'm I'm on a quest now to try to find some stuff that moves me. 
Well, and this uh, this mixtape thing that I'm doing has been a way for me to redis- rediscover music, yeah. uh, especially the stuff that I liked at a certain time, um, mm-hmm. because it'll take me back. It'll transform me back a little bit. Yeah. So in 96, I was uh, about a year into working at WUCF, so I was discovering jazz and you know, alternative jazz and acid jazz and stuff like that for the first time. I was working at the Virgin Megastore down at downtown Disney. Oh, I remember that store. Um, Is that still there? No, no. They turned that into a bowling alley years oh, ago. Wow, okay, yeah. Yeah, all of the Virgin Megastores, all the Tower Records. Like I used basically. to love to just go in there and go from station to station listening to different albums before yep. they were released or, or just after they'd been released. So there was a lot of pop music from yeah. that, but also a lot of uh, different like British music, obviously, they mm-hmm. were uh, focusing on there as well. Um, so yeah, so there was a lot going on in my life in terms of music and how important it was to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what's so, the, what's the era of music that most speaks to you? Is it the nineties? No, I, you know, I have such a hard time with this because I think that we, in looking back at this, like 96, for example, yeah. you still had bands like great white Metallica, yeah. um, the Scorpions oh, yeah. still coming out with new music. You had, uh, musicians that weren't going to be big until later on, like uh, Modest Mouse and uh, to an extent Fiona Apple, even though she was very popular, yeah. still not as popular as she would become. Um, so I, I don't know because like at the time I was also discovering jazz from 50 years prior, yeah, yeah. you know, 40, 50, 30 years ago um, and realizing like, I, you know, I was thinking about one of the songs that I didn't get to play was this song by Herbie Hancock. Hmm. who, of course, just an amazing pianist, Oh yeah, played with a second iteration of the Miles Davis Quintet and the really weird stuff. He was a master of the synth, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. He, he, oh, my gosh, yeah. Had this you know surge of popularity in the 80s because he was playing synth music. Was it Kick It was the name of the yeah, song? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but he had this album of covers, and there was uh, a cover of a Prince song. He did Thieves in the Temple. Oh. That was so good. And I was like, oh, okay, that's my entry point. This new album is my entry point to this artist that's been around for 40 years. I love it. You're so deep, dude. Honestly, like, I'm always amazed at how deep you go into the things that you're into. I mean, it's it's amazing that just the range of knowledge that you have. I thought about it when we talk about football, but even yeah. listening to you talk about music now and how you rediscover it and how you position it in your brain, and it's it's pretty fascinating. I think it's it, well, it's always the story behind all this, yeah, that really fascinates me the most. Like, uh, you know, a lot of these jazz artists. Like, uh, I got really stuck on one named, and I may have talked about him before, Roland Kirk. He ended up changing his name to Rasan Roland Kirk. Uh-huh. Um, he died in, I think it was 77 at the age of 40. Oh, wow. Um, wow. A lot of health issues, probably um, some drug use. I mean, he was a jazz musician, so yeah. there was probably some of that. But blind from the age of two. Wow. Uh, just wow. learned and trained himself on playing uh, musical instruments. Like the the joke, there's all these stories around him. And one of the stories is that he learned to play a uh, garden hose uh, was his first <laughs> instrument. He would make his own instruments. Um, he was known for, and this was, it, it was kind of like seen as a gimmick, but he could actually do it. He would play three horns at a time um, at once. Wow. And so, uh, so imagine three saxophones. I, in his yeah, mouth. I, oh. He would be playing with two hands, one on each side. And then the middle one would just put out a single tone. It's genius. And, 
it sounded good. Like it wasn't a gimmick. He was playing he, music. He was doing it, yeah. Um, and so some of his best stuff is his live stuff. And you can just hear the crowd going insane. And the stories of him are epic. He, um, I think he's from uh, Columbus, Ohio. So there's also this connection with where my family is from. <laughs> and there's a story of him. He's blind, so he rode a tandem bicycle from Columbus to New York City to play gigs with one of his other, uh, I think, another musician in his band. Um, all sorts of crazy How stuff. fascinating. At the time of his death, he was learning to play the piano and the harp. So he was always teaching himself how to play new music. He was born to do this, yeah. right? I mean, that's it's so clear that when you find someone that's that talented and that driven in all instances. I felt that way about Jack Black. I, I saw a documentary about Jack Black and how he just invents instruments out of things yeah. because he wants to create different noises and he wants to you know, make different sounds. And I, I think that's fascinating. I, that was an interesting story. I, I didn't know anything about this person. I may, may have heard the name. You may have mentioned him before, but that's, that makes me want to know more about him. That's... You would have heard him. You know the song? It's a Quincy Jones song that plays. It's the Austin Powers theme. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's him on flute. Oh yeah, so he played with Quincy oh, Jones. Oh, that's for quite and that's there is quite a bit of flute in that yeah. thing going on. That's yeah, yeah, that's impressive. That's it's wild flute actually. Oh yeah, it's it's it doesn't sound like flute almost. Yeah, I didn't I, until you mentioned that. I didn't think I realized that it was flutes playing that, but now I got to play it inside my head. Yeah, it's in my head now. Hey, it's Nick. Thanks for listening. This song that is the theme to Austin Powers is called Soul Bossa Nova. And then it's from the album Big Band Bossa Nova by Quincy Jones and his orchestra. Rasan Roland Kirk was featured as the flute soloist on that song and a few others. And Lalo Schifrin, another jazz musician that I really, really enjoy, was on there as well. There are two other songs of Roland Kirk's that I would recommend, uh, and they don't really sound like Soul Bossa Nova, but I think you might enjoy it. Old Rugged Cross is one, and Volunteered Slavery. I think you should look those up. Volunteered Slavery, look up the live version because it is insane. He's doing all of those things that I described, playing three instruments at once. The band goes crazy at the end. It is pretty amazing. Thanks for listening.